God is good. All the time. But do you believe it? No, no, I'm serious. Do you believe it? First, I'm going to give reverence to Almighty God. That's our Heavenly Father, His Son, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. I also want to give honor to Apostle Jimmy and Whitney. Let's give them all a big hand clap. And, of course, I also want to give honor to my wife, my bride, Robin. Give her a hand clap. And I want to give honor to all of you for taking the morning, uh, Sunday morning, to come up and uh, listen to somebody teach uh, the Bible. Now, I decree and declare that the kingdom of heaven is in this place. And I speak peace to all who will receive it. And I thank you, Heavenly Father, that we partner with your holy ministers, your holy angels. Father, that they hearken to your word and they do according to what you say. I thank you that we have the opportunity to partner with them to bring you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So it was funny because Apostle Jimmy said, you know, I don't know what you're teaching on today. You know, because he said, you know, would you like to teach? I said, yes. He goes, uh, what's the Lord speaking to you about? The Bible. So what do you want to teach on? I said, the Bible. I'm serious, the Bible. You give me any subject on the Bible, I'll teach it. Am I that confident? Yes. You may say, well, you know, I don't hear God speak to me. Get in the Bible. Every time I open the word. The Bible, God speaks. He speaks every time I look in the Word, every single time. So if you want to know what God is saying to you, open the Word. If you're not in the Word, it doesn't mean He can't speak to you, but He never contradicts His Word. Amen? So I want to talk to you today about the goodness of God. <laughs> Apostle Jimmy's laughing. The goodness of God. God is good. You know, I hear you say God is good, and everybody says, all the time. That's a Christian response, right? All the time. You ever have any, come on, every church you've ever been to, God's good. All the time. All the time. All the time. And it's true, he is. But the question is, do you live like it? Well, if you believe it, then you live like it. Right? What were you thinking about this morning? Revelation? habitation, transformation, right? Isn't that what you're singing about this morning? Revelation, habitation, transformation. Well, if you understand that the goodness of God is a revelation, then you'll live in the habitation of the goodness of God, and then you'll have transformation with the goodness of God. But you have to have a revelation. It's foundational. The goodness of God is foundational to your walk as a believer. Want me to prove it? Okay. We have to build on foundations. Isn't that true? Okay. Uh, we were in Watertown a couple of years ago, and uh, at the military base there, uh, they had a contractor come in, and he was doing concrete work. 
And he was pouring all the slabs for the houses, the base housing. And then about a year into it, two years into it, some of the houses were having problems because they started to sink in. And they found, when they started to dig up these foundations, that one of the contractors had been a little lazy and cheap. And he started cutting corners, and he didn't have enough concrete, so he threw styrofoam in. And then you build on that foundation, and then you have what? Caving in. All right? So if you don't have the foundation of the goodness of God in your life, if you don't understand the foundation of the goodness of God, there's going to be areas in your life that are going to be crumbling. Okay? You don't want to have structural weakness. Okay? But we do have that in the kingdom. Okay? I mean, in the body. I can't say in the kingdom because in the kingdom, everything is perfect. Okay? But in the body, there, there's weaknesses. Okay? Okay. So Genesis 1, you can turn there if you want to. It says, in the beginning, God. You might as well start out, right? Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God, Elohim. Plurality of majesty. If you really want to study what it means, Elohim, plurality of majesty. It's a plural noun in Hebrew. It's a plural noun. That's original. Okay? Plurality of majesty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay? In the beginning. God what? Go ahead. Somebody read it. God what? Created the heavens... And the, right, and the earth was out for, without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was vibrating over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Verse 4, all right, here we go. And God saw the light, that it was, it was what? Oh, and God divided the light from the darkness. We'll stop right there. Okay, fourth scripture, four, right? Genesis 1-4, God created the what? Light, and he what? Called it good. Four in uh, numerology in scripture means reign and rule. Reign and rule. Kingdom, dominion, dominance, creation. There's four seasons, isn't there? It's governance. So the goodness of God governs. It reigns. It rules. And it should rule. It's his kingdom. It's his dominion and his dominance on the earth. Part of creation. Amen? Amen. So, God what? He creates it. He creates light. He calls it good. And then he separates light from darkness. Isn't it interesting? He creates it. He creates something, calls it good, and then automatically he separates Verse 4, he separates. He separates what? Light from? You know we're going to get back to that? Oh, everything's about original intent. God is going to separate light from good from? You catching on? It's foundational. His goodness is foundational. So good in Hebrew, do you know what it means in like Paleo-Hebrew? Anybody know what Paleo-Hebrew is? That's the original Hebrew language. It's a picture of a basket, 
and a tent or a house. A basket usually does what? It holds what? Something good, right? It means something good surrounding the house. Okay? The, ha the house is surrounded by grace, beauty, love, health, prosperity. And it also means something that's functional. Something that's functional. Now, I've heard all over on the news, I've heard in, uh, you know, all kinds of counseling that, you know what, every family is dysfunctional. <clears throat> I don't believe it. Not my God. Not my family. My, my God doesn't create dysfunction. Right? If his goodness is in my house, then it's going to be functional. It's going to be Functional. Functional. Something that functions properly. Goodness. Okay, give me some examples. You always said that, you know, you believe that God is good. Well, what's one thing that God has done that's good for you this week? How about today? We didn't wake up dead. <laughs> we didn't wake up dead. I know I got a bride. I mean, Proverbs 22 says what? If a man finds a wife, he finds a what? Yeah, we say good thing, but that's really not what it means. It actually means he found a treasure. God's goodness, right? A treasure, something that functions properly. So, I mean, come on. Good stuff. What's good in your life? What do you think is good? Come on, give me some examples of good. What do, you, what do you got that's good in your life? Air conditioning. I'm telling you, that's really good. That's good. I mean, if you're like me, you want a, you want a good weapon. I'm just, hey, look, I'm a man, okay? I like guns. Guns, knives, you, you just, you know, but I want something that's functional. I can have something that's pretty and all that, you know, all looks, all that, but you know what? When it comes down to the down and dirty, give me a 12-gauge shotgun. I'll take care of business. It's simple. It's plain. It'll do what it's supposed to do. Ain't functional. Right? If it hits a fan, you want functional. That's good. God gives us good gifts, doesn't he? All right. All right, so we got God. He what? He's good. He creates something. He calls it good. He separates light from darkness. So that should tell you another thing, that the goodness of God is a key to miracles. Right? He creates and calls it good. Are they connected? That is a key to miracles, creative miracles, his goodness. Apostle Jimmy was talking about what God was doing before I came up here. Did you feel what God was doing? Did you feel it in the atmosphere? Did you feel that God wanted to do something? It's because of his goodness. Okay? Let's skip down to verse 26 of Genesis 1. It says, and God said, let us, right? Because, right, God is what? Elohim, plural, noun. Plurality of majesty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image. After our likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, 
and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So we have image. Aren't we created in his image? Now, is God good? Okay, so if he creates you and he calls it good, does he call you good? Okay, and you're made in his image? Okay. How about his likeness? Well, if you're in his likeness, if you're made in his image and likeness, are you good? Yes, you're good. And then he gives you what? Dominion. It's out of his goodness he gives you dominion. Right? What is dominion? Authority what? Over. Over everything. What do you think it made Satan so mad? Why do you think so? Come on. God takes dirt. All right? He adds a little water to it, moisture, so you got this mud ball, and then he breathes the spirit into it. And he says, not only am I going to fashion you into my image and my likeness, but uh, I'm going to throw my spirit in you, and then I'm going to give you rule and reign, a mud ball. Come on. Read the text. Read it. What, ashes to ashes, dust to? Oh, okay. But your spirit never. And then when this thing falls apart, where do you go? Okay. That's for his goodness, right? All right. So you have Genesis 3, you have the fall of man. Does that change God's goodness? Oh, come on. You ever made a mistake? Come on. I mean, look at poor Adam. I'm just going to say that. Look at poor Adam. He had one rule to follow. One! Right? And he ended up in the book. <laughs> and, and because what he did, he, because he messed up, he believed a lie, what happened? All of humanity falls. Now, did God screw up? No, because he's still what? Did he, did he understand what was going to happen? Hmm. So God knows you, and he knows every mistake you're ever going to make, and yet he didn't make a mistake when he said you're good because you receive his son. God's good. Right? Though a righteous man stumble, God does what? He lifts him up, okay? So image, likeness, and dominion. So man falls... Doesn't change the goodness of God. It doesn't. It changes circumstance of man, but it doesn't change God's goodness. So after Genesis three, we have now an issue of what? We have a problem, right? Sin in our life, right? We're fallen. Adam makes a mistake. We pay the price. We do, and we're in need of a savior, which God already had a plan. Right? So we have image, but if our spirit's dead, what kind of reflection do you get? Okay, if you ever watched a vampire movie, dead do not have a reflection. Right? You need to be what? Alive. Okay, but we're dead in sin, so there's no reflection, no image. But when you give your heart to Jesus, you accept the work on the cross, guess what happens? 
He sparks your spirit, makes you alive, born again, so now you have an image of what? God. You're back to what? Original design. That's because of the goodness of God. Okay? So, we have image now, and our walk as believers, guess what? We get to become like Christ. We read the Word, we think the Word, we speak the Word, we do the Word, we walk out the Word just like Jesus did, and we, are, you know, we, we get to be like Him. We don't replace Him, we're like Him. Okay? And the more you're like Jesus, the more dominion you have over the earth. The reason you don't have dominion over certain areas of your life is because you need more Jesus. Right? The goodness of God. So we have to get back to original intent, and that's reconciliation to Father God, right? Salvation through the shed blood of Jesus brings you back into a relationship with Father God. This can only happen by Holy Spirit. Only. The shed blood of Jesus, receiving that, the Holy Spirit comes in, okay, and makes you born again. The Holy Spirit also convicts you of sin. You can't even get saved without the Holy Spirit. Can't. Impossible. It's impossible. Because how do you know that you're a sinner without conviction of the Spirit? So we don't need about 400 junior Holy Ghosts running around convicting everybody of sin. We don't need that. We don't. Because everybody knows anyways. You ever done something wrong and like you had to figure out that it was actually wrong? Or did you like know? Everybody knows. Romans 2.4, it says, The goodness of God leads you to repentance. Okay? It's the goodness of God. The goodness of God leads you to repentance. That means we do what? A, we change the way we think. God, I tried it my way. And this is what I usually say to people because I already knew in my own life that, hey, I tried it my way. And then God would say to me, uh, how's that working out for you? Uh, not too good, God. So I can say the same thing to you. Right? How's it working out without God? Uh, not too good, right? It's not working out too good. The goodness of God leads you to repentance. You change your mind. You change the way you think. God, I tried it my way. It's not working out. Now I'm going to try it your way. Okay? I'm going to try it your way which means I'm going to change my mind about how I used to live. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to turn my back on sin, and I'm going to walk in this direction. So it's not just a change of mind. You actually have to put your feet to your faith. It's not going to just happen. You have to walk it out. And that puts you back in what? Power. Right? When you turn your back on sin and you turn towards God and what he's doing, in communion with the Spirit, you walk in power. You do. Communion with the Father, power to walk out your faith. And then, of course, you have Genesis 131. It says, and God saw everything that he had made. This was even after he made man. And behold, it was very good. Look at somebody and say, you're very good. Because God created you that way. You, you don't hear it enough, though. 
You don't. You don't hear it enough. You don't even say it to yourself. You don't. Why? You don't believe it. You don't believe you're good. My goodness, I just showed you in Scripture why you're good. Because God made you that way. He don't make junk. He makes good things. He really does. None of us would be here right now apart from his goodness. Not one. Goodness is who he is. It's part of and integrated into other attributes, like God is good, God is holy. Can he be holy and good at the same time? He can. Can he be holy and just and good at the same time? Can he be holy, good, and just, and love at the same time? He can? Okay, so how are we doing? I just, I just said you're good. Well, what's all the laughing about? I'm glad you're laughing because it's funny, right? We're supposed to be imitators of Christ. Now, Jesus was good because he, he can be no other. Everything Jesus did was good, even when he fashioned the whip and he, and he, and he uh, you know, he turned over the money tables and he chased out, you know, the religious with a whip. He did it from his goodness. And you know what it was? It was so that they would go, huh, that was probably wrong. What I've been doing is wrong. As now, now it's time for me to get it right. Because he's what? He's good. You, you know, do you ever correct your children? Do you do it out of meanness or do you do it out of what? Goodness. But it's because you're what? Good. That don't mean beat your child. But it says what? Spare the rods, boil the child, okay? Sometimes it's a good smack. It doesn't hurt nobody. Hey, hey, look. When I was growing up, I'll tell you what. I got my butt whipped several times that I can remember really well. Uh, I earned every one. But it changed my behavior. Amen? I'm not talking about maliciousness. It's because they actually cared, okay? You can trust in his goodness. He's totally good. Every decision, everyone, every action, every thought towards you is good all the time. That's from God. That's what he says in his word. You can trust his goodness. You can trust him. He is totally good in every decision, every action, every thought, all the time. His judgments are good. His thoughts towards you and me, they're good all the time. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? His thoughts towards me and you are good all the time. Even when we fall. It's still good. You can't save yourself. Come on, if salvation was a bucket and you had to pull yourself up, stand in that bucket and see if you can do it. You can't, but he can. So how do you think about yourself? Do you think what God says about you, like I've just been saying? I just showed you from the word? Is that what you think about yourself? If you're not, if you don't think what I just said, then where are you getting your information from? You're not getting it from the word. How about God giving us good gifts? 
And you know what? It, it's funny because you know this is really this is really comical. So I, I and I started working on this message, you know, a few days ago. It was very easy because God speaks to me. <laughs> it really is. That's why I say I don't care what subject I teach on in the Word. God will speak to me. So he says, you know, I give good gifts. Yes, you do, God. You give great gifts. But you know what? He says, my people have a problem receiving gifts from me. Hey, look, everything I got on, this, this, this outfit right here, has all been given to me. Everything. 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 Given to me. Now, I used to have a problem in receiving a gift. Now I just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. Gifts. Gifts are good to receive. And some people have a real hard time receiving a gift. Like, uh, uh, I'm not going to mention any names, Billy. Come on up here for a minute. Billy, come on up. He has a hard time receiving gifts. No, he does. I'm not kidding you. So this is actually a demonstration of, uh, uh, of what? Humility. All right, so I'm giving you this gift. Don't cut yourself with it, because if you do it, then I'll have to pray for you. I'm not going to do that. I just want you to receive a gift, because you have an awful hard time receiving things from people. <laughs> Go ahead. Be well. Now, now, you might laugh at this. I mean, it's funny. I put Billy on the spot. I did. But um, I did that to make a point. I actually did that to make a point. Probably some of the most generous people you'll ever meet. I'm not kidding. Not kidding. But I have a hard time receiving gifts. And sometimes God just wants to lavish things upon you, good things. We should have fun in church. Come on, don't you like laughing in church? Man, God has a sense of humor. That's one of the good things about God. He has a sense of humor. He created me. I know he's got a sense of humor. <laughs> you know what else? See, I used to hate people. I'm not kidding. You know, I was in law enforcement, man. Get away from me. You, know, you got some angle going all the time. Stay away from me. And then, of course, you know, Jesus shows up. So now I love people. Just don't get on my bad side. Because <laughs> then I have to get old 12-gauge out. <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just playing. That's a joke. I'm just letting you know the way I used to be. All right? I ain't that same person. That old man's dead. Old man's dead because God is good. Amen? James 1.17 says what? Every good gift and perfect gift is from what? Above. 1 Peter 4.10, as every man hath received the gift, even so ministered the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So God gives us gifts, and he wants us to use them. You saw some gifts in operation this morning. And then you can, I can go on and on and on and on. God's gift of what? John 3.16. What did he do? He gave us what? He gave us his only son. And then we have Holy Spirit, the greatest gift of all. Okay? I can go through scripture after scripture about what is good. Romans 1 talks about what? We need God, no excuses. 
No excuses. We need God. Can't do it on our own. Can't save yourself. Romans 2, right, talks about God being a righteous judge, which he is, and he can still be good, even in his righteous judgment. Romans 2, 4 says what? Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? God loves us so much he leads us to repentance. Forbearance, right? You know what that actually means? It's a legal term. It's refraining from enforcement of something. So if you get pulled over for speeding and they give you a ticket and it goes before the judge and he says, you know what, yeah, I'm just going to cut you some slack and he just crumples it up and throws it away. Forbearance. Yet we all have a debt we can never pay. Right? Don't we? We do. But out of his goodness... He has forbearance. Means he, he crumples that debt up and throws it away. That's out of his goodness. Right? And of course, God is long suffering. Thank God he's long suffering. Thank God he's long suffering. You know what that means? Long suffering? It means you screw up, what happens? And you screw up. And you screw up. Anybody like me? You ever you ever screw up? I can raise both hands, but then I won't be able to talk to you. You screw up. You mess up. Just fess up. Tell God you're sorry. He'll clean you up. Okay? Fess up. If you mess up, you fess up. He'll clean you up. That's a scripture according to me. But it works. Okay? God's long-suffering because out of his goodness. Long-suffering means he's patiently enduring lasting offense or hardship. Long-suffering, patiently enduring, lasting offense and hardship. So you might think you've gone too far away from God, but his goodness will what? Lead you to repentance. Amen? Very good thing. You might say, well, well, I know I hear this all the time. Well, I don't have any faith, or my faith is not that big. But, of course, and then you'll read 11... Hebrews 11.6, and it'll say, but without faith, it is impossible to what? Please God, him. Okay? It says, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, God is. Right? You have to believe. You have to have faith. But, you know, my Bible says that God gives everyone a measure of. So there's no excuse. Right? Because, like... If you could save yourself, then you would have your own faith. But if God gives you a measure of faith and you receive his son, guess what? It was his gift to you from his goodness. You catching on? Out of his goodness? Romans 12, you all know this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service or worship, right? And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, right? And it says, for I say, through the peace given to me, to everyone who is among you, do not think of yourself more highly than, he ought, than you ought, 
but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Right? For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many as one body in Christ, and individuals member, individually members of one another. So do you think that God compares us to each other? Now you need to hear that. Do you think God compares us one to another? He doesn't. Then why do you? I can teach. If I can teach, I can't sing. I wouldn't burden you with that. Because this place would be empty. When it says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, that's about all I got. <laughs> now, you got some gifted singers here. Okay? But I don't compare myself to them. I know I can make a joyful noise. I know what I am. Amen? And there's also articulation, because we've read that scripture a hundred times, and everybody goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But God wants me to give it to you another way. Are you ready? Articulation is very important. God is a craftsman because he's good. He's a good craftsman. He really is. We are the tools he uses. He uses the right tool for the right job. So you don't use a sledgehammer to drive a finishing nail. Right, Jason? Everybody know what a sledgehammer is? It's a great big hammer with a head. You, know, it's like you don't use that to drive like a little brad into a, a you know, piece of molding. That probably wouldn't work too good, or a cabinet. Okay? And yeah, that's what we do. Right? You try to use something that you try to be something that you're not. Come on, has anybody anybody uh, uh, been in your house before and then they, they see that uh, butter knife that's been tried to be used as a screwdriver? What? What's so funny? Everybody's raising their hand. What? Is it just me? <laughs> right? Yeah, I don't have a screwdriver. I think I'll try this butter knife. Yeah, that'll work. That'll work real good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wrong tool for the job. It may work, but, you know, you, you know it's going to make your butter go all funky on your bread, you know. All right, do you compare a rake with a hammer? No, one's designed for one function, the other one's designed for another, right? So we need to be content with the goodness of God. All right, be content in who you are, who he's created you to be, the gifts he's given you, the talents he's given you. Be content. You should be happy that, you know, he's so good that, he, you know, he, he lets you, uh, you know, be you, the way he created you to be. He's never going to let you down. You need to look for his goodness in all things. And you need to let his goodness flow through you to expand his kingdom. Now, see, I would be remiss if I didn't ask if there's anybody in here that has never given their heart to Jesus before, has never reconciled themselves to God, Now, if you don't have a relationship with God, you need to do that. Now, God might be tugging on your heart. He might be, your heart might be thumping in your chest. You might be online going, man, this sounds really strange. 
But, you know, I really have this feeling I need to get right with God. Well, it's real easy to do. All you do is you acknowledge before him, hey, I tried it my way, God. It's not working out. So now I'm going to give it a try with you. I'm going to give it a try because I can't do it. And you just repent of the things you've done wrong, and you ask Jesus to come into your heart. You ask him to forgive your sins because, you know, Jesus stretched out his arms on the cross, and he died for you. He bled out so that he could pay the price of your sins so that you wouldn't have to carry that burden anymore. So let that burden go. Give it to Jesus. Let him wash your sins away and start doing it his way. If you do that, you need to, uh, you know, write in. Let them know that you gave your heart to Jesus, that you become a child of his kingdom. And your life, your life will really never be the same for the better. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. It's not. Because there's always a, uh, you know, we always have this thing of uh, a choice. You know, you can hear the word of God. You can hear the truth all day long. And you can say, yeah, I believe that's right. That's correct. But if you don't walk it out, it's like you never what? It's like you never heard it. You need to put feet to your faith, okay? If you give your life to Christ, you need to tell somebody. And then you need to walk it out, which means you look at the Word of God, you read the Word of God, you talk to Him, just like I'm talking to you. That's how you talk to God. Come on, you ever had real prayer in your life? Help! You ever had that before? Desperation? You ever had it? Has God showed up? Oh, I'm telling you, God will show up. When he hears one of his children cry, he shows up. But you can't make a mental assent to say, yes, I know that Jesus died on the cross for me, but not walk it out. You can't because you made a mental assess, but me- mental, you believe it, you know, in your head, but you won't walk it out, which means you don't believe it in reality. The two go together. You have to believe, confess, and walk it out. You see a changed life. Let the goodness of God flow through your life. I look for God's goodness every day, and I see it every day. I do. I see it every single day, the goodness. But I have to look for it. I have to make a choice to actually look for it. I don't care what's going on in my own life. I can see God's goodness operational in my life, and also in yours. You might not even see it, but I do. So we need to do that, so keep that in mind. So, Father, I thank you for each person here. Father, I thank you that they heard the word of God. They heard your word, and they heard your heart on this subject. Now, Father, I pray that uh, it'll be settled deep within them. And, Father, as as they move through the day, as they move and consider this word, Lord, I pray that they see your goodness in all things and that your goodness would flow through them. I mean, the fire of God up here is unbelievable. I I mean, for real. I mean, I just feel the the fire of God up here. So I'm going to turn this over to Apostle Jimmy, and I'm going to let him navigate Thank you. Hallelujah. Give the man of God a hand. 
I did not read his notes, I promise. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to navigate properly. Looking around, and I see just about everybody has been saved. Just about every single person in here has received the baptism of Holy Spirit. However, not everybody in here has laid down their burdens. It was just stated that regardless of who you are and what you've done, that the goodness of God is still attributed to you. Why then? Why then continue to live your life as if you are an unforgiven outcast who is beyond saving? He said his yoke is easy and his burden is light. I'm going to unpack a revelation for you that the Lord is still unpacking in me. The spirit of the bear is one of the most vicious principalities in this region. The bear, the bear spirit. It's the spirit that makes you think that you've been delivered fully of certain things. But right before it hibernates, it reproduces, then goes into hibernation. So just when you're about to come into a spring of awakening, the bear spirit comes back and it has a pack with it now. And it's attracted to fires. Hello. It's attracted to fires. And even further than that, the trash that you refuse to get out of your camp attracts the bear spirit. So the trash that you refuse to give over to the trash man known as Jesus Christ because you refuse to accept his goodness allows you to be mauled by the spirit of the bear. Unpack that. How many of you are carrying burdens right now? Because all I'm seeing, I feel like in my old Marine Corps days when I used to be a crew chief for several generals in the Marine Corps, and I would have to load the airplane with luggage, and all I see is this sanctuary. There's not a lot of us in here today, but I see the sanctuary filled with luggage, a bunch of old baggage that you are not letting go of. How many of you are ready to, uh, as Apostle Todd would say, Give Jesus back his stuff. Show of hands. Who, who's ready to lay down those burdens? Who's ready to let go of it? You know, forgive others, forgive yourself. Um, no one is saying what happened to you doesn't matter. I am saying you holding on to it doesn't matter. I am saying that. And I'm going to go even further. And I, You know, if I offend you, then... The word is not in you because the word says that the word is in me. Therefore, offense is far from me. 
So if this offends you, your congratulations, you definitely have time to put it down. I don't care what you've gone through. I care about where we're going. And in order to get there on this jet, we need to make sure that the weight associated on this aircraft is not out of balance. You're only allowed to go on this jet with the baggage that Jesus himself said you can take with you. The baggage that you have when we travel, we will only take a carry-on. But when we go wherever we're going, we go shop. And then we buy a big, a big luggage for these gifts that we just bought. And then we, that is the checked baggage that we allow onto the plane because it's good gifts for those that are on our destination. The only baggage that's allowed is the baggage of the gifts of Holy Spirit. We don't have time for you to bring your baggage that's an old, disgusting, smelly, fleshy thing. Leave it at the terminal. Again, who's ready to give up their baggage? Who's ready to let go of the burdens? The altar is open right now. Josh, put some music on back there. Uh, something. I'm. I'm not. Listen. Before he handed me the microphone, he said, "Lord, and I pray that he would navigate properly. This is proper navigation. I know it's beautiful outside. I'm ready to get out there too. I want to go wash my Hellcat right now." But I'm not allowed to leave here until some burdens are laid down. These altars, the proper response is to come legitimately down to the altar and lay your burdens down. Lily and Kennedy, go back there and get a notebook for everybody right now. Is that okay, baby? Okay. Yeah, if you're coming on Saturday for the, this is what we're going to do. This is the responding correctly. Uh, a notebook's going to be handed to you. You're going to write down what has been burdening you, what you're still holding on to. Well, I just can't forgive them. Well, let me direct you to Matthew chapter 16, verse 30. You are releasing yourself to the tormentors. If you do not forgive your brothers and sisters in Christ, how dare you think that you deserve the forgiveness of our Father? Matthew chapter 6 also says it. It says, to that, and in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses in the same way that we forgive those who trespass against us. So get you a pen. Who, who needs a pen? Who has a pen? Who needs a pen? Hey, uh, go in, go in my, go, hey, Ken, Maddie, go in my drawer, or Kennedy, go in my drawer, my, are oh, you passing that out? Keep doing that. Maddie, go in the drawer in, in my office and go, I have a, a packet of pens in the bottom, the bottom drawer. Who else needs a pen? I think we got some pens over here. Mary, pass, I know there's like hardly any pens right here. Pass these out. Oops. You're going to write down your burden. I know it's symbolic, but it's all, 
this is the problem. A lot of us don't write things down of what's vexing us, what's tormenting us, these burdens that we have, and we keep them up here in the, in, in, in the terminal. You wonder why people get terminal illness. My God. Listen, the reason why a lot of people get terminal illness, and I'm not saying everybody, I'm saying a lot of people get terminal illness specifically in their bones because they have bitterness, resentment, and unforgiveness in their heart. And the Word of God legitimately says in Proverbs that bitterness is cancer in the bones. It says that. Who in here is the one that gets headaches in their eye, in their right eye? You get headaches that come that, that just like radiate. Who in here is that? That you get eye? Okay, how many, how many people get that headache? That it starts in your eye, in your right eye, and it just keeps going back. Raise your hands. One, two, who else? Three, four. The Lord is healing you of that today. The Lord is healing you of that today. Write down. If you have a pen, write down what's burdening you. Don't wait. What are you waiting for? If you got a pen, write. Respond correctly. It's worth it. If, if five minutes more in this building means a lifetime of laying a burden down, I'm going to take that five minutes to go ahead and write down the burden so that I don't, I, I, I don't know about you, I want to live a life free of burdens that are not of God. If I'm going to carry a burden, I'm going to carry a light one. I'm going to carry an easy yoke. And just so everybody knows, a yoke on an ox means that the ox still has to work. Not my Sharpies, baby. Don't be giving my Sharpies out. Don't be doing that. Nope. Mm -mm. Those are expensive. Write down your burdens. Don't wait for me. Write your burdens down. That's cute and okay if you want to write it in your phone too, but that's not the purpose of the, the practical application and the navigation of what we're doing. Write it in the notebook because you are going to tear that page out. Can you give me my notebook back? The deliverance one, the black one. Yep. Just with this one. Yes. There's nothing fancy about deliverance. That's why I don't have a fancy journal for deliverance. It's, it's yucky. While you all are doing that, I just want to show you. Open this on March. What? Is open in March. These are all the deliverances that I've been in. And I haven't been in all of them. More than half of this notebook. Why am I saying that? 
Because going back to the goodness of God, the man of God said that we were image, likeness, dominion. And he went as far as to say that that made Satan angry. Do you want to know why it made Satan angry? Because dominion is the power to name a thing. This, all of this, are names of demons that have been cast out. We've got a name. How many of you know what nephophilia is? Not one person. Nephophilia was a demon that I've cast out by the power of Jesus' name only. I'm just the, the, I'm the, I'm the weapon that he decided to put the bullets in. He said, cast out Nephilim out of this person. I'm thinking, like Nephilim? And he said, look it up. You know what Nephilim is? Cloud gazing, daydreaming, getting your head stuck in the clouds. Nephilim. I would have never, I didn't know, I'd never heard of that in my life. But the moment that God revealed it to me, and I said, Nephilim, in the name of Jesus Christ, we command you up and out and be cast to the abyss. The girl screamed. How did you know? Who told you? No one knows this. Because dominion isn't just something given. It's something done. It's legislative in nature. It's getting a name. It's a name. Okay? Full circle, you are writing down, you are naming the things that you are going to let go of today. There's a name to it now. You're going to let it go. Today's the day. It's always an exchange. There's always a trade that takes place. He translates us from darkness to light, from, you know, heaviness to the joy and praise of the Lord. So as you're writing down the thing that you're giving God, I would encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit what he is replacing that thing with. The reason why it's important to name the thing, it's not because we're just so totally all about, you know, we are all about reclaiming. That's what the apostolic is. It's reclaiming ground for the kingdom of God. So that means that anything that's been occupying that space is illegitimate. And so then it's routed out so that the goodness of God, whatever that gift, whatever that portion of that's been being occupied by something that's not of God has to be routed out. And then in its place is the gift of God that he has uh, purposed and designed for you. See, I don't know about you, but I don't want anything illegitimate. I want the goodness of God. I want the favor of God. I want every single thing that Jesus died for me to have. I want to have the peace, the goodness, the joy, the, the um, overwhelming faithfulness, the mercy, the kindness, the love. And, and, you know, we are to be content in the gift that he's given, that he's made us to be. But one thing I know in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says, but earnestly desire the greater gifts. What are, earnestly desire more love. Love is the greatest gift. We are to earnestly desire more love. So whatever is routed out today, whatever burden you're laying down, ask the Lord that he would give you exactly what is supposed to go there. He doesn't do anything by happenstance. Whatever's been occupying that space is illegitimate. 
And it, he doesn't want you to have it anymore. He wants you to have what he designed for you to have. He's a good, he's a good father and he gives good gifts. Amen. So that's navigation. Yeah. Jimmy's, he's writing, so I'm just going to let you guys do what you do. Amen. (laughs) One more thing, too, about the singing, about being content in the gifts. So this morning, I'm hearing that all morning. Revelation, habitation, transformation, in your glory over and over again and i but i'm not gonna sing it right amen i have i I, you know i visit singing but that's not where i abide right okay so i'm like jimmy when i get here i'm like listen this is what i'm hearing and then he made it pretty amen see that's in tandem that right there uh goes to as well not just romans 12 but ephesians chapter 4 verse 7 through 19 of knowing those that labor among you if uh, I need something done but I know someone else that is that is that is their vector of expertise even though God may have given me the instruction and the revelation he also gave me the wisdom to have it administered properly so that means that some of y'all need to write down on here um, I'm giving up my ego hello All right, are you all done? I'm gonna take it that you're done. What you're gonna do is you're gonna tear that paper out that you wrote down, everything, tear or pages. You're gonna tear it out. You're gonna walk up to the altar. And this is where this is where you really need to get over yourself. Stop smelling yourself. Okay? Roses really smell like boo-boo. So you're gonna come up, bring it up. You're gonna nope, nope, no folding. We don't care about folds. You're gonna crumble that joker up. And you're gonna leave it here. And believe that as you leave it here, go ahead and crumble up, sweetheart. You're going to leave it here. And leave it. Don't be trying to come back. I'm going to host a a burning ceremony on Facebook later on. Y'all catch me at about 6 p.m. I'll go live. We're going to burn these burdens. We're going to keep them where they belong. So do me a favor, when this is ashes to ashes and dust to dust, when this is, when this is burned and everybody sees that I burn all of this stuff up, because it's already been taken care of on Calvary, but when you see the symbolism of this being burned to ashes, you're not allowed to bring it up again. <laughs> 